Good morning, everybody. I'm Justin. You're listening to The Void Podcast. Every week, Aiden, Brian, and myself look to get together to discuss issues that we believe are interesting to leftists. Our beliefs are a loose combination of socialism and anarchy, and we try to use these ideas to inform our lives and what we put out into the world. This week, Aiden, Brian, and myself talked about the PRO Act, progressive victories in Rhode Island, the slowdown of COVID-19 testing in the United States, and of course, the most Ironically hilarious thing to happen this week, Donald Trump contracting COVID-19 himself only after downplaying the virus, resulting in the deaths of 208,000 Americans and counting. We're going to open up this week just kind of explaining our backgrounds and the things we study. So without further ado, here's the show. All right, let's go, boys. Uh, I am working on a biomedical degree, a bachelor's of science in biomedicine. Uh, I've been doing it for a little over a year now. I've already got two degrees. Uh, I got an AA and an AS degree. I also have a medical license. Um, and now I'm just kind of kicking along. And then this time next year, I'll be taking the uh, MCAT, uh, which is the entrance exam for medical school. And then I am going to put myself into a crippling amount of debt to go learn how to cut people open and put their body back together. That's better than going to a crippling amount of debt for a film degree, like I did. So good for you, man. Yeah, you know, I, I could go into a crippling <laughs> amount of debt to get a business degree. So that way I could learn how to run someone else's business. Or I could just start my own fucking business and not spend tens of thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Uh, what about you, Aiden? Just declared that um, majoring in sociology, I'm taking most of my sociology classes because I waited until I was done with all the uh, general education stuff. Yeah, I mean, speaking of taking a while, like I'm turning 30 and I'm just barely working on my upper division stuff for my BA. So it's all right. (laughs) There's no rush into education. Yeah. But yeah, I'm studying uh, history. No particular concentration. Uh, Just so happens just where I go to school, it, it ends up being a lot of European history. At least it's heavy in the marks. Like every single class I've taken, it's like, all right, now we're going to analyze this through, you know, a Marxist lens. And I'm like, this is, this is great. This is exactly, I don't even have to read between the lines. They're just giving it to me the way I want it. Other than that, I have a useless film degree. I have an AA in philosophy and my AA in, in history, which was just American history, basically. Nice. But that's my background. Fuck the Hollywood have, um, have you... film school? Um that's where my film degrees from. Yeah, they're they're yeah. all AAs. They're all AAs. I paid a stupid amount of money for a useless AA, and then I got two other useful ones that I then used to go on to get my BA. Or I just thought you might it. want to drop a uh, a fuck Hollywood film school in there. Yeah, if anyone listening is or has been to uh, that school or is considering it, don't fucking do it. Um, <laughs> actually, don't go to any of those stupid for-profit schools. And there's a difference between regional accreditation and national accreditation, which we won't get into right now, but just Google it yourself or DuckDuckGo it, even though that doesn't sound as good. But <laughs> look into it. So yeah, screw them. They regularly check on me in LinkedIn. Like every time I get a notification, like 20 people looked at your profile. It's like a bunch of administrators or teachers at those schools and their affiliated schools because i just like i troll their comment section and, and try they to get their eyes them. on you they should because <laughs> i'm doing my best to like absolutely destroy them i oh i mean like within means you know I'm not, I'm not like studying law or anything all right well i'm uh now people know you know what we are complaining about when we we're talking about school yeah so basically when justin says fuck the patriot 
You take his goddamn word for it. Fuck the Patriots. Yeah, I have I have a degree the in film, film and history, so I know it sucks on many oh. levels. Hey, it's not useless in this context, baby. Let's go. No, not here. All right. Well, so basically, the format that I think we are all in agreement on is we were going to each try to cover uh, a topic, um, something in the news or, or relevant to like our not I don't know if necessarily our expertise, but like our passions in politics, the things that we find most interesting and the, and the things that we think that we can research and, and express and talk about best. Uh, so for this week, I decided to kind of look into labor and see what was going on uh, with unions. And I moved from Texas to Rhode Island and the labor laws are different. And I was looking into, you know, what exactly it means to be a uh, right to work state, which sucks, which is, a, it, it basically, it enables you to reap the benefits of a union without having to pay into the union. So then it, it just substantially weakens the union's ability to represent you. They're not getting as many resources. So it basically just gutted, gutted unions. And there hasn't been any substantial uh, legislation to do anything for them. In fact, uh, unions in the last uh, 30 years, I mean, I think they went from like 30% of our workforce. This is an approximation. 30% of our workforce was in a union to 6%. So only 6% right now? 6%. Yeah. Only 6% of people, working people are in a union, uh, which is really disheartening. And you can thank, uh, you can thank Reagan for that. It really, it really started when he laid off all the, uh, what do you call those folks? Air traffic controllers. (laughs) Yeah. The air traffic controllers. That that was like the uh, nail in the coffin for unions. It really just opened the floodgates because then everyone realized that they're not protected. The federal government's not going to back them up or enforce Mm -hmm. anything to keep them from getting in trouble. But doing all this research about about that, I learned about the PRO Act, which is kind of what I wanted to talk about. It stands for protecting the right to organize. And it's just kind of sitting in the Senate. (laughs) Like it it passed uh, the House, then the Democrats kind of didn't do anything with it. And then it got pushed to a committee and then coronavirus happened. So it's just sitting there with like 286 other bills, just kind of waiting for someone to pay attention to it. Does that end once we get a new a new Congress? I, I would assume that whoever gets replaced, if they lose their seat on these committees, the committee that's going over the bill, they probably just like, you know, absorb that agenda. Yeah, I would assume so. That like whatever whatever bills were being proposed, that they would still be there. Right. But you would just have new proponents voting and deciding on whether they get put into action. Because I know in California, there was we had a bunch of bills passed a vote and then went to, mm-hmm. you know, just be basically bureaucratically approved by the state Congress. And, uh, and they just like, they took a bunch of recesses and never voted on any of it. And it all just died. Could you imagine like all the work it takes to to get a bill written, sponsored, proposed, passed, and then it moves on to the next level. And then it goes through like 700 other filters of committees and opinions and hearings. And then at the very end, it just dies from some like bureaucratical failure. Like uh, 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 I would be destroyed. I'd be more angry than I already am. Oh yeah. Especially if you were like organizing for that the whole time, you know, I wasn't personally organizing for any of these bills that got killed, but. Well, that's time consuming. Yeah. You guys, it's hard now to dedicate to the things that we do with our communities and and political action that we try to invoke. Imagine if you were like the face of a bill that you felt really passionate about. You'd you'd be donating so much more time to that cause. But I mean, hopefully that doesn't happen to the PRO Act. I I really, I really, really want it to pass. What would the PRO Act do? (laughs) So I, I have some notes. I just, I ripped these like straight from the bill's site. So 
revises the definition of an employee and supervisor to prevent employers from classifying employees as exempt from labor law protections. It expands unfair labor practices to include prohibitions against replacement of or discrimination against workers who participate in strikes. And I highlighted this one because I'm going to use a company as an example and then continue to shit on that company for as long as possible until you guys tell me to shut up. Uh, makes it unfair labor practice to require or coerce employees to attend employer meetings designed to discourage union membership, which is apparently a really common thing that isn't illegal, which it should be because when you are hired to do a job and they call you into a meeting to talk about unions, it's not why you're there. You're there to, I don't know, whatever slave labor agreement you have between you and your employer. It also permits workers to participate in collective or class action litigation, allows injunctions against employers engaging in unfair labor practices involving discharge or serious economic harm to an employee, expands penalties for labor law violations and allows person to bring civil action of, uh, for harm caused by labor law violations or unfair labor practices. So that's just like a kind of an outline of what the bill plans to do. And honestly, a lot of these things I, I assumed were already a thing, but I guess they've been slowly being peeled back uh, from our rights as workers. Mm -hmm. But the uh, I don't know about you guys, but I love having my workers' rights be stripped away from me. Yeah, slowly. Nothing gets me more fired up on a Monday morning to go to work than realizing that I have little to no worker rights left. Yeah. And that if I choose to organize, I will be heavily penalized for doing so. Look at the, the job market right now. Like the recession's over if you have a white collar job or you're in a high paying position. But for average folks who'd benefit the most from, uh, in my opinion, unions and, and labor protection laws, they don't have any. And spe speaking of like, you know, awful, awful companies that do this kind of stuff, I, I'm super excited to talk shit about them is No Evil Foods, the vegan food company. They're awful. They're, they're awful. Uh, Jacobin did a piece on them. Essentially, No Evil Foods, they're a self-proclaimed leftist company. So they have products um, with names like Comrade Cluck, Meatless Chorizo, called El Zapatista. Like it's, uh, and they're union busters. So they basically took some uh, plays straight out of Amazon's playbook and fired the organizers um, for things as, as stupid as like a dress code violation, not following um, CDC guidelines for COVID-19 like rules while at work. Which, in my opinion, if your employees aren't following social distancing rules, like that's you, you're doing something wrong, and it's never even actually the case. It's just a, something that they use to get their way. Mm -hmm. um, and then just one more thing I want to throw in uh, on these guys because I, I I can't shit on them enough. They also gave their employees, and this is in this is in March, 24 hours notice to decide whether to keep working during the virus or quit. That, that, that was the that was the notice so this and they lost 10 percent of their workforce because of it so that's your super progressive lefty vegan food <laughs> yeah, some company. some leftist uh food company that is uh the old wolves and sheep clothing um, eh? some evil foods i would say wolves and patchouli <laughs> yeah, with an antifa shirt on i'll drop a link um in the show notes of because uh, someone actually recorded they they, they actually actually had a meeting uh, like the one i was describing that the pro act would protect against to convince the employees not to unionized and someone uh -huh. recorded it and leaked it it's fantastic as far as like having absolute proof and evidence that's irrefutable that the people who own <laughs> yeah i'm curious like what their justification was for like not allowing their employees to unionize like hey guys you know what you really need 
is mediocre pay and excessive work hours. That's really going to benefit you. I know you hate your family. You hate your pets. You hate being home. What if we just paid you federal minimum wage to come here and work your ass off? Also, if you don't like our safety precautions, you're just going to get fired. Dude, he kind of he kind of just says like, if you want to unionize, you can. But of course, then whatever you whatever you get for whatever you get compensated for, that contract is good for twelve months, and you get paid that for twelve months. You can't get a raise or anything. We can't discuss that one on one. Like that's, dude. You can say that you're going to give someone a raise. You don't have to be held to that. You can keep doing that as long as you want until that person mm-hmm. quits and you hire someone else who's just got the job and then you they get to pester you for another year and a half for a raise. So yeah, if anything, it guarantees every year you have to talk to me about what you pay me mm-hmm. where you might not mm-hmm. even get that under the current contract. Anyways, fuck those guys. Fuck the little foods. There's so many other awesome companies making vegan products. There is absolutely no reason to buy their stuff. Yeah, Good Planet makes phenomenal vegan food phenomenal I'm, I'm saying this as a vegan it's fucking amazing it's great their cheeses oh baby it's so good i have just grown like an absolute obsession about finding the best vegan cheese <laughs> like i try like a yeah, new um, try try good planet you won't be disappointed i will i will there's a little shop in providence that has it's called plant city uh that's like all vegan products mm-hmm. so i need to go there and go look for it I just want to keep saying good planet so that way they can sponsor this podcast <laughs> and that way I can pay for college. Uh, good planet, keep it up. You're doing good stuff. Please pay for my college. I love you. Please don't be union busters. Yeah, did you see? Yeah, please don't be union busters. <laughs> swear to God, if you do, you're the worst fucking company ever. You, you and Evil Foods can go eat an ass. You guys, you're terrible. Did you guys see? Um, do you guys see Amazon's latest? sort of thing with a union busting not explicitly union busting but they were just surveilling all of the uh one of the one of the people in the tech department leaked that they were surveilling like certain emails certain email groups you know like you know they have sort of like these big servers where people can email each other and and sort of organize you know based on sort of identity and they were surveilling all of them for um, union talks. They were surveilling all uh, all of the minority groups, um, but none of the majority groups, sort of the black Amazon workers surveilling the Latinx Amazon workers, surveilling transgender group, but like, you know, surveilling the, the Muslims at Amazon and not surveilling the Christians at Amazon, you know? I read that. I, 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 you posted it in a, one of our, our group chats. I went through it. I, there's no way if Amazon's like, hey, here's a safe place for you to discuss dissident. And I'd be like, thanks, Amazon. I mean, they already host most of our data anyway on uh-huh. their servers. But like, <laughs> I mean, that kind of seems like an obvious place for your, your rights to be abused, right? Like Within Amazon? Yeah, especially an yeah. internal server where, where it's unlikely that any of the information, like they have complete control yeah. over all information and whether it gets out or not. Luckily enough, we had somebody willing to leak it yeah, yeah. luckily we still have people with uh, strong ethics yeah that, that kind of reminds me of what uh what happened with facebook a little while ago do you guys do you guys know much about uh facebook and genocide do you, do you know much about the ethnic cleansing perpetrated by facebook you guys you guys no. up to date with that i heard something about it but no i don't yeah you guys want to get you guys want to talk about something really sad it's it's a good heartwarming story okay so uh and myanmar uh if you were to buy a phone 
uh, it automatically comes with Facebook downloaded. So people started using Facebook, and I want to say as these people as uh, basically just scumbags, just racist scumbags. So they started using it to basically just promote hate crimes and like ethnic cleansing and genocide. This was brought to Facebook's attention. What, the Myanmar government? No, no, just, yeah, just the users started complaining Mm. to Facebook. Um, Mark Zuckerberg came out basically and was just like, yeah, this isn't our problem, not gonna deal with it. So then you had Facebook employees who were like, hey, this is not okay. So they started pulling people and like their online servers specifically for their workers. It was like Facebook workplace or something like that. And then basically everyone started speaking out against it. And then Facebook shut them down from doing that. So then they had to create other servers themselves so they could talk about how terrible their company was. And then how all of them were just like highly disapproving of the stuff that Facebook is doing. And this has been happening pretty much everywhere. So like Facebook now has, they started releasing their platform in Africa and they hired 100 people to basically monitor all of the hate speech and hate crimes going on in Facebook and all of Africa. And I don't know Uh, if you guys know this, but Africa is pretty fucking big. And I don't think that 100 people is going to be enough to do that. So yeah, it's it's always cool to see large corporations basically monitor them their employees like Big Brother and then just shut down everything they're trying to do. That could make the world maybe just even a little bit modestly better. So keep it up, Daddy Mark. You're doing great. Just I, I hope you choke on a USB C port at some point. Fucking awkward weirdo. I've never I've never seen cringier than like him being freaking drilled by a, a, a congressional committee. Like yeah, he doesn't know how to answer basic questions. Yeah. So, AOC killed him. Yeah, she's. I love her. I actually was going to phone bank for her today, but time has gotten away from me. I'll sign up for another shift. So, Aiden, what did uh, mm-hmm. what was the topic you kind of wanted to cover? What did you look into over the last few weeks? Yeah, so I'm sure most of us have probably heard of, or at least some of us have heard of the progressive wave of of progressive candidates that won their primaries in um, in Rhode Island. You definitely know about it, having just moved there. So, yeah, I wanted to look into sort of how they did that because i've never seen so many progressive candidates you know just take over all at once they didn't take over you know there's still a minority in there but they hold a significant amount of power now that there's a lot of them in there at once you know like one progressive candidate winning doesn't really hold any power they're just going to get uh steamrolled every time they they bring something to committee or to you know the floor right so i wanted to see what they how they did it so back in 2016, um, the Working Families Party kind of helped. Uh, I think they were fairly new in Rhode Island. They're pretty strong out on the East Coast, but I think their Rhode Island chapter was fairly new. So they, they sponsored and, and won four uh, seats in the, uh, in the state Congress. And then in 2018, one of the people who won, Marcia Wrangland Vassal, she was the incumbent at that point, and then the, uh, the Democrats didn't back her which is not typical for Dems to not back their own incumbent. But um, mm-hmm. I guess when you've got uh, <laughs> a leftist, it's a, it's a, it's a different story. We but saw it with Bernie uh, on the, on the large scale. Answer. Why would it be any oh. different on a small scale? So, but she ended up winning that primary and then she ran, she ran unopposed 2020, but yeah, the work, so the working families party went out, talked to like over a thousand voters in her district, which, mm-hmm. She only won the first, the 2016 election. She only won it by what, like 20 votes, 21 yeah, votes. Think, not a lot of people vote in those, right? So you can win by just like you primaries, really especially. Plus, yeah. in Rhode Island, I think the districts are very small. You know, it's a small state. 
I don't know right. how well it would translate, like, you know, you would need a much bigger groundswell in place like California, where each of the state senators has like hundreds of thousands of constituents. Sure. But so it worked well in, in Rhode Island with only the Working Families Party getting out and knocking on doors. And then come to 2018 or 2019 in the Rhode Island Political Cooperative sort of set up their whole thing. And they're like a new group that recruits candidates and actually recruits like uh, campaign managers and, you know, staff for these candidates to run extremely mm -hmm. effective campaigns. And so they sponsored a whole, whole shit ton of candidates, like something like 20 candidates, a decent amount of them won, but not without, they got the Sunrise Movement on board, which, you know, we've all seen the Sunrise Movement getting, you know, really a lot of work done. They've got a lot of power at it at this point just right. because of their sheer you know they go out and they knock on doors they phone bank like crazy they um they text like crazy they're just like constantly campaigning so the sunrise movements somebody to have on board if you're if you want to win a progressive race yeah they bring a lot of raw energy <laughs> like and that's that's really like in 2020 we had you know you had the rhode island political co-op they're sponsoring these candidates and they're and they're training the the campaign managers and stuff and then you just had all these groups sunrise movement all just on the ground it was just sort of like a coalition of a bunch of progressive and leftist groups just getting on the ground like we're calling rhode island co-founded by the host of the dig podcast you got you had our rev working for some of the candidates and they're all sponsoring like different candidates like reclaim rhode island sponsored their own four candidates who all won yeah, all four of the yeah. candidates that Proclaim Rhode Island sponsored was, uh, or not sponsored, but rather endorsed. They all won their races. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I so since moving to Rhode Island, I joined Reclaim um, and became a, a dues-paying member. I had my first general meeting. The four candidates sent in like a thank you video compilation, which was really awesome. They seem like great people. <laughs> like, I wish I was here to have like gotten out there and supported them. Yeah, and sort of what they said about, you know, looking at interviews with them after the fact and uh, sort of what they said was most effective. And it's pretty much the general consensus, I think, uh, with campaigning is that the most effective thing is the door knocking, going right. around, having conversations with people, making them realize sort of the importance of voting in a primary, because a lot of people don't. What can get done if, you know, we get progressive candidates in and, you know, it a lot of these primaries are in solidly blue districts. They're basically a shoe in to win the election now that they've won their primary. Mm -hmm. But yeah, really. So like around me in California, one of the candidates that I've been working with um, for my city council hasn't wanted to do any door knocking. You know, you can do it safely with how effective it is. I think it's really not a good idea to not do it, especially in a small election like this, you know, going around and knocking on people's doors is really important and you can do it safely you know you just knock on the door and then stand back make sure you have a mask and just talk to people from however many feet away you feel comfortable standing at least six if they don't want to talk to you they won't but like plenty of people will still want to talk to you it's 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 a little more difficult with with covid going on but but you still have to go out and well with the wildfires too it's right now it's kind of dangerous to be out walking around but there are days there are days where it's not so smoky that you can go out and knock doors take a breath <laughs> yeah 
the smoke is is real awful right now. When I first started, and you guys were checking in with me, I was like, "Man, I'm glad I'm not there right now." It looked the the pictures look apocalyptic. Like I've been there when there've been fires, and I know what it looks like when the smoke covers the sun. But some of the photos you guys were sending me it was like apocalypse now, mm-hmm. like just wild, just like oh. blocking out all light. <laughs> yeah, yeah, casting that weird orange red hue over everything. I've lived in California for almost three decades, and I can, I can honestly say I've never seen something like this before. And we've lived through yeah. quite a bit of fires here. Yeah. It's it's not cool. <laughs> it's not good. Yeah, it's almost like there's some kind of uh, driving force behind it or some kind of global anomaly. I don't know what you would call it. Maybe uh, climate change. I just coined that term right now. It's a new idea. Yeah, who knows? Or maybe it's just happening for no reason. Yeah, you know, maybe it's, uh, <laughs> maybe it's natural. Or maybe the fact that we're just dumping greenhouse gases in the environment might be doing something to alter the course of human history and the world at large. But you know what? <laughs> what do I know? I'm just a fucking scientist. I wanted to, yeah, I, mean, um, I wanted to talk about Reclaim Rhode Island for just a second. Go for it. Just yeah, because yeah, sure. um, they were mostly, they were a Bernie group for the general election. And they hadn't had their primary yet when Bernie dropped out of the election. They had the groundswell of really devoted members. You know, they had a lot of political will. They were out door knocking for Bernie and being really effective. They're heading over to other states and stuff because those states were having their primaries. And, um, you know, once Bernie dropped out of the election, you know, they were smart about it. They were like, we don't want to lose this momentum. So they found candidates that they could back locally and kept their momentum and kept going. Like I was out in Ohio during the primaries for, not during the Ohio primaries, but during the beginning of the primary season. And there was a lot of political will there we were out campaigning for bernie a lot there was a lot of really devoted people when bernie dropped out it was kind of like what do you do with all that energy now i think that's great man that's really proof of concept right like they really believe that they could make a difference and you're not you're not going to get everything you want in politics you know when bernie dropped out it was really crushing for a lot of people for obvious reasons and then to to maybe take a couple days and be like this sucks and then like keep running the ground and like trying to find a way to still affect change. Like that's badass, I think, rather than just like crumbling up into depression. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of, I think what happened for my Bernie group. <laughs> they did for a lot of people. But I mean, for a lot of folks, this is like their first, is their first time being politically active. So they may, they may not have ever even considered putting any energy into local elections because you want to mm-hmm. think big, you want to see big change now. Right. Which is ironic because you might see the most immediate change on, on the local level. Absolutely. I mean, it has way more effect over like your day-to-day life. Right. So you'll honestly probably see more change if you work on a more local level because well, those are the kind of policies that will affect more quickly and more immediately your surrounding, oh, you know, your community. Absolutely. You know, I think the, the thing that you know, attracted you and I and to reclaim Rhode Island was because Rhode Island is such a small state, you can start to kind of lay out like the, the groundworks for that to be copied and then applied in other states on a, on a larger scale, because it can happen quicker here. Yeah. But if you know, if, they can, if they're building a roadmap for for the kind of results that we need to actually <laughs> undercut the democratic establishment, right? then fuck yeah. I'm all on board with supporting those guys and, and learning from what they're doing. And well, now that I'm here, participating in it as well. So, mm-hmm. uh, so Brian, what, what yes. uh, sunshine are you going to bring to the conversation? How do you gentlemen feel about science? How, how do our viewers like science? Do, do you believe it? Do you trust it? Do you hate we it? We don't do have any viewers. It? 
and <laughs> um, and I hate science. Okay, I, so I we, we've got we've got nothing, and then we've got one guy who thinks science is all a sham. Bullshit. All right. Well, let's let's have a little dis- discussion about some science that's relevant to all of us. Something that really encapsulates the uh, the essence of what we're going through right now, and that is COVID testing. I know we're all tired of listening about COVID. I sure as hell am. But hey, it's important to be somewhat informed on these things. Uh, in August, uh, the CDC released a statement saying that testing is recommended for all close contacts of persons with SARS-CoV-2 infection because of the uh, potential asymptomatic and pre-symptomatic transmission. It is important for all those who were in contact with someone with SARS-CoV-2 infection to be quickly identified and tested. Now, for those of you that don't know, uh, asymptomatic just means that you have the virus, but you're not showing the symptoms. The virus hasn't had the appropriate amount of time to incubate. Basically just an inflammatory response within your body. Mm-hmm. So it's just saying, hey, if you've been in contact with someone and you were asymptomatic, you should still get tested. Like it's still worth it for you to get tested, to know where you stand, whether you have it or not. So that way you can kind of start uh, isolating yourself. However, that all changed on Monday, August 24th, when the Center of Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, updated its testing guidelines. And it no longer recommends people getting tested when they've come into contact with somebody who has been infected. The crux of this is is that successful (laughs) testing comes and always includes asymptomatic and pre-symptomatic people. Because at that point, if you have it and you're not getting tested, you're just going to continue to spread that while you're asymptomatic and basically just perpetuate the whole the whole issue at hand. You're just going to create exponential growth with viral transmission. An asymptomatic person, I would think, is the most dangerous person to have it because yeah. they can spread it to so many more people. Like if you're asymptomatic and say you have a roommate, you get it on a Monday, you spread it all around, and then your roommate gets sick two weeks from that Monday. How many people, but how many people could you have gotten sick in that time? Who, yeah. who then also go on, some of them may be asymptomatic. That, that, that was the stupidest thing I'd ever heard. So here's the thing, like, look, to put this in context, uh, let's talk about my roommate and I. So working in the medical field, right, as we both do, my roommate is a nurse. So let's say he's asymptomatic, right? He deals with a lot of older patients who are in the at-risk category. If he's asymptomatic, he's going to be spreading that virus around to a lot of people who are very susceptible to having a very severe reaction to it because they already have, most likely they are either obese or they're unhealthy to begin with, which is just basically going to exacerbate the entire issue at hand, and then your death count starts going up. So the CDC basically changed their guideline. This is just so disappointing to me. So there was a Republican in Trump's administration who wished to stay anonymous, uh, and this was his statement. It says, uh, this move with the CDC, and now I'm quoting, it says, it has to do with the president wanting to shift attention away from testing, The challenge is that they didn't want to find more cases and that they don't want cases to keep going up. Essentially, it just makes him look bad when case numbers go up. And effectively, if you test less people, your numbers are going to look better, which makes it look better for you when it comes time for re-election. There was also also a statement that was made by Mark Rosenberg, who is a former and longtime senior at the CDC. Uh, mm-hmm. He said, I think that's their goal, and the goal is re-election. Uh, and all other goals have been subverted to serve that one. Because this is basically a huge defining point of debate for the election, is how you are handling COVID. And as we all saw with the debate the other night, Trump started to basically just say that the Democratic Party, i.e., you know, 
Joe Biden and Obama did a terrible job with H1N1 uh, swine flu. And uh, the death toll on that was 12,500 or so uh, versus the 200,000 and growing every day from COVID, which just doesn't look good. I think the important thing to hear, though, to remember is that, so that's how the United States has handled it. But we got to look at more on a global scale of how other countries have handled it. So South Korea, New Zealand, you've also got Singapore. They've all kept their numbers really low and their infection levels are now next to zero all because they have really stringent implemented testing policies. And it's, I think it's also good to note that a lot of these countries aren't just like, hey, by the way, you get sick, uh, just sit at home and hope that that $1,200 check we gave you five months ago is really going to carry you through. A lot of these places also have socialized medicine. So that way, you know, you basically aren't dying from the virus as well as dying from crippling debt and your inability to pay for those things. Um, however, there's there's been a few other things that have been going on with how the Trump administration has been handling COVID that I find just really daunting. And this is really applicable to what we like to talk about in the sphere of leftist ideologies. This one's gonna come down to capitalism and COVID, baby. Um, mm-hmm. The Trump administration has revoked the FDA's authority over lab-developed tests, including the requirement that certain diagnostics made for COVID-19 go through the agency's emergency review and authorization process. Basically what this means is that if you produce a test, whether it works or not under the clauses that they've made, you can just start putting those tests out in the public for people to use. There's no verification that they're gonna work or work well at all. However, this does not cover tests created by med tech companies such as Abbott, Roche, BD, and others. Abbott is the major contributor. That is the main test that most people use for self-diagnostic tests, as well as what most people will get if they go and you get a nasal swab or something. That's going to be an Abbott product that didn't ever go through the FDA's authorization to be used. This is this is kind of a common thing that happens a lot too when you use get into you know times of emergency. You can just start doing stuff. Uh, people don't want to wait for authorization or any kind of review board to make sure that something works properly, which makes sense in certain contexts, like in an environmental sense, if you have a wildfire, you don't really wanna have to go through NEPA laws and CEQA laws to make sure that the water you're gonna dump or the fire retardant isn't gonna adversely affect the environment. And in states like that, that makes sense, you know, in in situations like that. But when it comes to a test regarding someone's health and their life, there should be some kind of modest guarantee that the product you're gonna be using is gonna do something it's supposed to be doing. Yeah. The the Department of Health and Human Services uh, during the last week of August in 2020 said that clinicians are free to use unreviewed and unauthorized lab-developed tests for any type of disease or condition. So because of this, this bill, now they're kind of just spreading it out to other physicians and whatnot. This is basically just giving any kind of physician the ability to use any unauthorized lab-developed testing for whatever they want. Any test. Any test. This isn't Doesn't even just, matter. they kind of just slipped that one in there, a little sneaky guy they threw in there, you know, like, hey, while we're on this, let's just pull the traditional politician move and just try to sneak in as much crap as we can into this bill because everyone's just going to see, you know, COVID and be like, yep, pass it, fuck it. I don't see how that helps him not get more numbers. If they're well, using that, unauthorized tests, couldn't they be using unauthorized tests that give more false positives or positives in general? So that I feel like is, that's more geared towards just capital profit in general. Like if you can just start now pumping out more tests that don't have to be authorized and go through an FDA approval, 
Now you can just start creating tests with little to no effective ratings and then basically just make a ton of money off of it. So all these large biotech companies can just start pumping out stuff. Do you know if they've started doing that? Uh, I don't know. This just went through the end of last month, but I have no doubt that all these major multi-billion dollar corporations are already jumping on that. Like, oh wait, we don't have to go through authorization now? Fuck it, start pumping stuff out. I wouldn't Mm -hmm. be too surprised. So these these rules are similar for commercial testing. Uh, Like developers may begin using self-validated diagnostics as long as they submit what's called a EUA. EUA is a emergency use authorization. So basically it's like, hey, we're in a state of emergency. All you have to do is submit paperwork and then you can start distributing it. So whether it has even been looked at or read, all you have to do is just write in a letter being like, hey, this is what we think our product does. We're in a state of emergency. Let's just start pumping them out. So you don't even have to have anyone read that paper. That paper can just be sitting on someone's desk and you can start pumping it out as long as you've submitted it, which I think- So if I'm going to go get a COVID test, if I'm going to go get a COVID test, how do I know I'm going to get a real COVID test? Well, if you want to get a real COVID test, this is the thing is what I'm talking about now is more specific to other medical tests in general. But I would honestly say if you are concerned about going and getting a test, you should still go out and get one. And then your physician can either talk to you. I wouldn't be too off put by the idea of the tests being inaccurate or accurate. I think that they're good for the most part, uh, considering the time crunch that the biotech companies were under to create these tests. I would say still go get one. And you can say with a reasonable amount of certainty that it's going to be working well. But I think the thing, the, the thing that scares me about this legislation, it basically just gives the freedom to so many large multi-million and multi-billion dollar corporations to start putting stuff out without any kind of oversight. Yeah, any oversight or just basically any ethics involved with it. Like you can just start putting stuff out that is going to severely affect someone's life potentially just for a profit. And that really bothers me. So Uh, The FDA has a public list of 174 laboratories that have notified the FDA that they will be validating their own testing and that whose tests have not been authorized by the agency and that have been thus put out into the public. You know, I like the fact that there's 174 major corporations that are just like, yeah, fuck review. Let's just put products out. Mm. So that's that's great. You know, they are they are taking advantage of it as you know as they do oh yeah oh yeah as as you do so and this all comes uh at a time when you know the, when trump has basically just accused the fda of withholding its green light for the use of what's called uh convalescent plasma against COVID 19 uh it's just this whole it's this whole clusterfuck where it's like the fda is garbage the cdc is garbage so let's just give over all of their power to basically just throw that into the void and then uh, just let companies do what they want because, you know, the, the invisible hand of the free market will save us all. That, I think that's kind of the, uh, the motif here. Well, you know what's kind of scary about that? Like just going forward, aside from all the horrible products that might be put out and, and literally kill people or cause birth defects or all the myriad of things that can happen is like eventually, and this is me being optimistic, but uh, when something comes out and it is effective, regardless of, I mean, for COVID, right? This is, I, I worry that they're going to use this as a precedent to say, look, we rolled back regulation and we look what it did for you. And it's all, we yeah. already live in a climate where for the last 30, 40 years, regulation has been rolled back. Um, you know, we see the, the results of that in every fucking recession that we have. And this is something that every, again, similar to like the housing crisis, it touched everyone's life. COVID has affected everyone substantially. 
and they're going to remember that. So next time they want to roll regulation back on literally anything else, they're going to use this as a, as a something to argue for. I don't know. That's awful. Fun. Yeah, it's not good. These are these aren't good things. This is not something that should be happening, nor should we allow it to persist. But then you get into the issue: how do you change these things? How do you how do you enforce? Or how do you propose new legislation that might actually have some kind of beneficial change to what's been going on? You know, it's it's good to stay informed on uh, on these issues because it's nice to know that if you do have to go out and have a medical test done, whether it's regarding COVID or not, whether like you have like potentially diabetes insipidus, like or you have some kind of like, especially what gets me is like genetic testing something that could severely change someone's life. Like if you have like skeletal muscular atrophy, okay, so I need to get this genetic test for my, my infant newborn. Is this test now verifiable? Is it good? Is it going to do what it says it does? And personally, it's like, can you really trust those results with a high degree of certainty? I don't know. It depends on the company, it depends on the product, and it depends on basically how that's been propagated throughout the uh, U.S. medical field. Yeah, I, I guess I shouldn't. I, I shouldn't be surprised, but I'm still disappointed. Yeah, it's not good. Mm-hmm. It's not good. Well, uh, speaking of disposable and COVID, do you guys want to talk about the super fun, awesome thing that just recently happened? And that's oh, I'm so geared up for this. I am. I am so ready to talk about this. For those of you that don't know what we're discussing and what we're all pumped up about, is President of the United States getting COVID? Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, it spread really quickly because we were all hanging out as we do. And <laughs> you, I think you were like, Trump has, Trump has COVID. And then my fiance was asleep. I stepped out of the room and she looked like, I didn't, I didn't even know she was awake. She was like, Donald Trump has COVID. I was like, how did you, it just happened. Yeah. Yeah. That, that news spread a hell of a lot. She got the info in her sleep. Did. Yeah, yeah. Well, they use the, uh, the the 5G to project it into her mind. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, those microchips but just went haywire. It, so the implications of Donald Trump getting COVID, as much as I love to relish in the dramatic irony of the situation, and as, as justified as it feels... It is uh, hilarious. Yeah, it'd be it's, like Ronald is, Reagan getting AIDS. It's hilarious. <laughs> oh, yeah. Can you imagine? That would have been great. It's still terrifying, though, because the, the thing the thing that scares me the most about it is like, I, I mean, obviously, I have to think of things in the worst case scenario. If he were to die because he's he's old and fat, so mm-hmm. he's he's in the high risk category. I think all of all of the things that we don't like about Donald Trump and all the things that he represents, I really wanted to give the American people an opportunity to depose those ideas democratically, uh, even if I don't like who they elected to do that, it's not really the point. That if he is to suddenly die, it's just gonna create like a cult of personality. He'll be basically be a martyr for that stuff. And no oh, yeah. one's gonna believe that it wasn't a conspiracy. I mean, that stuff's already floating around. Oh yeah, the QAnon thing is gonna think he's been assassinated or th- and God, QAnon is so fucking prevalent all over the place i don't know how yeah, those people scream it got so big but yeah so well, there, there are questions that have been arising that i've been researching today in terms of 
how serious his case is. So for those of you that don't know, he was taken to uh, the Walter Reed uh, Medical Facility, which is a military hospital. He, his own personal physician, uh, Sean Connolly, said that he was doing great, that he was fine. He was very optimistic when asked about when asked by reporters whether he was on oxygen or stuff. He just says uh, on Saturday he has not been on oxygen. He also said on Thursday he wasn't on any oxygen, supplemental oxygen. And then on Friday they got really uh, elusive <laughs> to whether he had been on any supplemental oxygen. The the things to look at from a medical standpoint in this aspect is, for one, he's seventy four. He's already in a high risk category. Mm-hmm. He is obese which puts him at an even higher risk, no matter how much he says that he is, you know, in the prime of his peak male physique, it's not something that you can really trust. Um, I think we can all agree that he's not really the most trustworthy person on the planet, especially when it comes to anything medical. Um, I'm a little worried that if it does get worse, that you're going to have tense. I mean, basically with the 25th amendment, if a president is ill, whether it be from physical conditions or from mental conditions, the vice president becomes the acting president until the president recovers. This happened with Reagan. The president, when he has, to, shot. The president has to declare that he's unfit, though, which I don't see Trump doing. For for uh, mental health purposes, yes. If he, let, let's say he's in a coma or he's unresponsive. If he's in, in a coma, aspect. right. If he's non-responsive. Yeah, but as I'm long sure. as he's not dead and still awake, I he's not going to relinquish power to Pence. Yeah. What I'm saying is like, let's say that this does progress. Let's just speculate here. Let's say it does progress and he's got to be put on a ventilator. It's going to basically have to look like Mike Pence is going to be taking over for, let's say a couple of weeks until he recovers. If he does recover, that to me is pretty terrifying. Uh, I mean, the guy who was a big proponent of gay conversion camps and destroying Planned Parenthood and thinking climate change is a hoax. I don't really want that guy. Oh, yeah, to be he's going to be going hard for even more than an hour. Order. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as a medical professional, want everybody who gets COVID to have a speedy recovery and not die from it, regardless of their political views and who they are. I mean, the other part of it, too, is like there's the fear that I'm not a large proponent of Joe Biden, but that there was also the fear that because they were in the, such an enclosed space during the debate that he might have got it. Joe and Jill Biden both tested negative uh, mm-hmm. as of today and as of yesterday, and they've been continuing to test negative, which is good. So yeah, fun stuff. Trump's got COVID. It's hilarious. It's like Reagan getting AIDS. I don't want him to die, though, because the last thing we need is more fucking chaos in this country, especially when the president just told the Proud Boys and the white supremacists to stand back and stand by. If he goes down, my God, is that going to blow up like a goddamn napalm? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm I'm worried about I'm worried about that. Uh, that, that yeah, this hasn't been a year for for anyone to like pull punches on worst case scenarios. Like you, you really can't. You can't be like, well, you know, I don't have faith in anything anymore. Every time I like try to lessen my fears, uh, that just get stoked by the reality that the worst possible outcome it can happen. It can happen because we've seen it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that he is a very unhealthy individual, uh, both mentally and physically, it's concerning to me. Uh, People in that age group don't really fare too well, especially with underlying health conditions, which I'm sure he has. He's not a young, fit 18-year-old who just got back from the front lines. I mean, this guy's not not in great health. So. Uh, I mean, the other thing is, too, like he's going to be getting the, the kitchen sink approach. I think he'll probably be fine. He's going to be getting like remdesivir. 
and a few other drugs that have been shown which to be is effective. experimental right which is experimental so remdesivir has actually been proven to actually shorten your hospital stay it's an antiviral drug it doesn't fight covid but what it does is it allows your body to have more of a fighting chance okay um, there's also the concoctions of steroids you can use but a lot of the problems with steroids come down to this which is like they can effectively lower your white blood cell count so you have to be very particular on what time you use those steroids I mean, he's also going to be getting a lot of other things. And the thing is, is he's going to be getting the best medical care that the world has to offer because he's the leader of a fascist regime. And that's exactly what he wants is the best medical care, we, which he'll get. Are we letting so in all the, the doctors like, from Cuba or something? Yeah, I, I highly doubt he's going to take the hydroxychloroquine that he's been touting around as like the save-all cure. He's going to be getting the, yeah, the top-notch. He was also getting, here's another thing. He was getting a... <laughs> experimental antibody uh supplement 48 hours before he they did the huge press release on means on thursday he was already getting the antibody uh supplements so when was the when was the debate uh this was after this was post debate this was okay. the, his uh physicians and whatnot had said that he was already getting these treatments <laughs> before they did the public statement that he had so he was so he was already being tested so it's like or he was already being treated for it so like they already knew something was up they just you know didn't want to basically tell the public at that point now when he's getting experimental testing and top-notch medical care so he'll probably be fine in my opinion as long as his health doesn't deteriorate if he keeps in a quote-unquote mild symptomatic stage even then mild symptoms for covid aren't exactly great he's been having a fever coughing all that stuff so great yeah but i'm sure that he had his abbott test and then i'm sure that they went to pcr testing after that to really solidify that it is a true positive i don't doubt that it's a false positive i doubt the severity of what they're outputting because this is a huge rally point for his base and whatnot so can we say for any degree of certainty how how intense his uh, case of COVID is, we can't say for sure, but we can always but speculate. It seems likely that he isn't doing great with all of the treatment that he's getting right now. Yeah, and you know, that's the thing is, I for me, the speculation comes down to, okay, is it as severe as they're saying, they chose a military hospital, which is gonna rally his base in that aspect. So it's like, is it that severe or are they blowing it out of proportion to mm. basically just get their base all rallied up? So who knows? Yeah, it seems possible, but it's, it seems possible. I, I wouldn't put it past the Trump administration, but at the same time, this is also someone's uh, medical health. So, mm-hmm. you know, why not go to a great facility? Trump's sort of cult of personality, though, doesn't align well with being sick. So. I don't know if yeah. they would do something like this unless he actually was. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Um, you know, he's got the sort yeah. of strong man personality. Go ahead. Yeah, you don't get sick if you're a big, a big badass and fight big old super important wars. Exactly. You, you don't get the flu or anything. Yeah. Look at this guy. I think he's stronger than a virus. Look at this guy. I, dude, I'm so torn because part of me like really, really enjoys the fact that he's sick because over 200,000 Americans died and that's largely due to his incompetence mm-hmm. and his carelessness and him just not caring for other people's lives, which like I, I didn't uh, sign on to the Hippocratic Oath. So if people suck, I hope 
they fucking die. Like, I don't fucking care. Like, if you're responsible for other people's suffering and death, like, I don't care what happens to you. But it's, it's like, Trump totally deserves, in my opinion, that kind of uh, place in your heart. But uh, because of his position as the president, I also have to, like, try to combat that, putting that idea out into the world when people are like, I hope he dies. I'm like, no, this is why we don't want that. <laughs> uh, you know. No, I, I get it. I get it. Uh, I had a patient when I was working down south and uh, my coworkers came over to me and they were like, hey, we need you to treat this patient. And I immediately thought like there's something wrong and I didn't know what it was. And then I walked out. I mean, this the patient I took, he was just covered in swastikas. Like this dude was just as racist as you could look. <laughs> um, towering white guy. Uh, he looked like Hulk Hogan, read Mein Kampf way too many times. Um, like you said, too many times. But yeah, there's always the dilemma of like, I, I firmly disagree with every inch of your being, but I'm still going to give you the best medical care that I can. And I'm just, it's one of the things, it's like, I'm going to give you the best medical care, but I hope to God that you're, you're <laughs> at medical schools I'm going to be applying to. Don't listen to this podcast. I really hope your test results aren't good. <laughs> right. I'm going to do the test right, but I hope they're not good results. <laughs> no. Because sure. the deal is like, uh, as an anarchist, I really don't want Trump to do well, but as a medical professional, I'm like, I do want him to do well. And there's also the part of like the other political side of it where like, I also don't want any of this to devolve into more chaos and it could already be. Right. The last thing we right now is more division, more polarization and more chaos. <laughs> I mean, what's, what's the alternative to division with proud boys? I don't, I don't know if... <laughs> I don't know if advocating unity with proud boys is the uh, is the take. I so you guys remember uh, that that ad that Kylie Jenner did where she like handed a Pepsi to yeah, a cop? I do. Yeah, yeah. I say we go get a bunch of uh, crates of Pepsi and just start chucking them at proud boys. <laughs> I, I'm going to start advocating here for federal crimes. Yeah, go buy a couple crates of Pepsis and start chucking them. You know, unity, baby. Let's go. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's a felony yet. They're not. They haven't been uh, marshalized as a state militia. So right now, well, I mean, usually when you throw, uh, usually when you throw stuff at cops, they don't go too well. Oh, so. oh I thought you were talking about. Oh, I'm sorry, did I say cops and not proud yeah. boys? I'm sorry, I forget the difference. Every once in a while. Yes, yes, that's what I'm saying. Soon, yeah, the lines are so blurred. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we, we joke about it, but that actually terrifies me. <laughs> like it really, really worries me. Uh, okay, I also I don't want to take credit for the uh, the Pepsi thing that happened with a bunch of uh, people in Portland. I don't know if you guys saw that. No, they threw uh, Pepsi at cops. Yeah, yeah. So uh, a bunch of people who were who identified with Antifa ended up buying crates of Pepsi and then started chucking them at cops. Oh, that's so funny. I love that. <laughs> which I which makes me happy. Like I'm glad that like somebody was like, hey, you know what we could really use right now in these protests? Good amount of humor. Start chucking Pepsi at cops. Oh man, that's great. Oh, it's hilarious. <laughs> See, the the, oh, the alt right and the far right take themselves far too seriously to ever be funny. Their, their their memes may be better, or at least they used to be better than like lefty memes on the internet. But I find like the left always has a better sense of humor about things like that, <laughs> like throwing Pepsi's at cops. Like the situation is 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 dire and requires the utmost of your attention. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like if you're going to be throwing things at cops, like maybe start with Pepsi. So um, I don't think it's necessarily going to be that terrible if trump croaks you know it's it's not going to be good for the sake of martyrdom but um i don't think it'll i don't think it's the end of the world you know like i'd rather he get voted out of office but i don't think it's likely pencil win 
if he becomes the um, you know person people are voting for, the candidate? Yeah, no, I, it, it's not. I mean, of, of all the things that we covered and all things we talked about, degrading workers' rights, <laughs> unions, um, and then plans of action for change, like, I really think that it's important to remember that as long as you're, as you're doing something and you're trying and you're putting that energy out there and keeping, keeping your friends around you who, who care as much as you do to keep you informed and keep you energized and, and remind you that just because things are bad doesn't mean they need to stay that way. This is a challenge that hasn't really been faced in American history. So there's not a lot you can look back on for guidance. So everything that happens from here on out, as it, as it has been for this entire administration, is, is new as a new experience. I don't think anyone should beat themselves up or, or get too doom and gloom about it. Like definitely be concerned, but don't feel disempowered at all. Yeah. I mean, we just got to move forward and be active. Yep. And hey, if you guys think that you have uh, COVID, just go out and get tested. Uh, <laughs> do do yourself in the world of solid and uh, isolate yourself and uh, binge watch Netflix and uh, you'll you'll make it out. Oh, watch Capital. Watch Capital on Netflix. If yeah, you got watch COVID. Capital and uh, the <laughs> Cuba Libre story. And then, you know, maybe read some dystopian fiction. You know, just really just hit, hit all corners. If you're listening to this, this is our first um, actual episode that'll be going out. And I really appreciate everyone who listened. I appreciate everyone who gave us notes. I think, you know, this is a substantial step forward in the right direction as far as, you know, how, how we're going to making the podcast. And I appreciate uh, everyone's time and helping us do it. Yeah. Uh, Justin appreciates you. I don't. I think you're all terrible people. Uh, hope you get COVID. I'm not, I'm not posting this on like, are the dumbest. no i don't believe any of those things but for comedic value yes and i'll do those things in minecraft (laughs) well i think we uh i think this is it then i think we're gonna sign off and uh, hopefully we can keep this up uh, at a pretty normal pace all right see you next week yeah stay healthy uh solidarity forever